So a few years ago, a friend of mine and former colleague from work, Dina Nelson, gifted me with this Himalayan salt block. Yes. It's very heavy, so hold on a second here. Put that down. At the time, I knew nothing about Himalayan salt blocks, and I wondered why Dina would give me a large rock for Christmas. It turns out that despite their name, these amazing salt blocks are not from the Himalayas at all, but rather from large salt mines found in the country of Pakistan. And the salt was formed in the pre-Cambrian era. Now, in case you're not familiar with that time frame, the pre-Cambrian era was 600 million years ago. So, just a little while ago. When a great inland sea evaporated, leaving behind a massive salt deposit. Pink Himalayan salt has less sodium than regular table salt and several other minerals that are said to have health benefits. Although, there is not that much medical research out there on the topic, so check with your doctor first. (laughs) However, what I'm sure and I know personally is true is that you can cook in all kinds of ways using this salt block. You can freeze it, you can cool it, you can heat it, you can grill on it, you can even use it as a tray to serve food on. And what my husband John and I have found is that the food cooked and served on this salt block tastes amazing. The salt in the salt block reacts differently with the food depending on the food's own unique properties. Some of our favorite recipes using the salt block, and this might make you hungry, are these. Grilling salmon or other fish on it. We put the salt block right on our grill and use it as a cooking surface. We also love to heat it up and then melt chocolate on it and dip cut-up pieces of fruit in the chocolate, kind of like a fondue. And in the summertime, we love to chill the salt block in our fridge for a couple of hours. And then we arrange cut-up pieces of watermelon on the block and sprinkle feta cheese and garnish it with mint leaves. We will often bring the watermelon feta-covered salt block right out to our table on our backyard patio and enjoy this delicious summertime treat with family and friends. What happens as the food sits or cooks on the salt block is that the flavors of the food are brought out in very unique ways, and the taste is heightened and enhanced. This is why we love salt block cooking, and in addition, it's a great conversation piece when we have guests over. In today's scripture reading that uh, you just heard from Matthew's gospel, Jesus calls us as his disciples to be salt and light in the world. And in the version of the scripture that we heard, 
from Eugene Peterson's The Message, the meaning is even more clear. Listen again to some of the words. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world, opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God. Salt has many uses. You can cure and store meat. You can disinfect wounds. You can make food and pottery. And here in Michigan, we know it melts ice, doesn't it? And it brings out flavors in a unique and special way. Salt is an unexpected blessing in thousands of ways. And Jesus' point is that like salt, we too are called to help bring out all the God flavors of the world. Like a finger pointing to God, we have the joy of inviting people to see what God is really like. Now, Jesus' primary focus in his ministry is on what he calls the kingdom of God. He mentions the kingdom of God nearly 100 times throughout the Gospels. The kingdom of God is not the afterlife. That's important. The kingdom of God is not the afterlife, but it is mysteriously present and yet still to come. It is the world that God envisions and invites us to co-create. We, as disciples of Jesus, are called to point towards God's kingdom with our lives, trusting that by opening up to others, we will prompt people to open up to God. This is what Jesus means when he says we are to be the salt seasoning, bringing out the God flavors in the world. Like the salt block, we're called to make the food taste better. We're called to enhance it and bring out the goodness. And likewise, we, you and me, are called to make the world a better place to live in and more like what God envisions it to be. How do we do this work of salt seasoning? How do we help point to God in the world? Simply put, we bless others and faithfully affect change when we put into practice the principles set out by Jesus and his followers. Showing mercy and love, welcoming everyone, acting as peacemakers, practicing radical hospitality, loving our enemies, feeding the needy, striving to keep our promises. Here at Narden Park, we say all of that in this simple but effective way. Do good. Show love. The taglines of our mission statement, Journey with Jesus, do good, show love. That's how we are salt seasoning in God's kingdom. That's how we point to God's actions in the world and bring out the God flavors and the God colors. It might be through the peanut butter and jelly ministry 
or the Crock-Pot Ministry, or Focus Hope Drivers, or Serving at Crossroads, the only soup kitchen open on Sundays, or when we host guests from the South Oakland Shelter, it might be our fill-a-food truck rally, or helping support students in our school system in need through Operation Common Good, or the blessing bags that our children make each fall and give to us so that we can give them out to people we see standing by the side of the road. The point is, like the salt block, we are called to bring out those God flavors of love and justice, God's hospitality and welcome, God's forgiveness, and especially God's grace, so that by our actions, others might know more about God. That's why we're here. To be the salt, to be the light, it's our identity as followers of Jesus. It's our calling as Christians. And all of this begs the question, what do people in our community think about our church? What do people in our community think about our church? What are we known for? When I first moved here, to Farmington Hills and to serve at Narden Park in July of 2016, one of the first things I did was I stopped in at some of the businesses around us and I asked them what they knew about our church. Many of them responded by saying to me, what church? And then when I described our tall steeple and gave them our exact location, They mentioned liking our church bells. A few had heard of the music concerts we have here, but most people had almost no idea that we are even here. Now, it's surprising, isn't it? Because each day, if you watch, hundreds of cars drive right by us here on 11 Mile Road. But here is the truth. If you drive by a building long enough with little or no involvement with the congregation, it becomes invisible. That is, we no longer notice what we're driving by. Pastor Adam Hamilton of the Church of the Resurrection, a very large and growing congregation, United Methodist Church in Kansas, writes this. This is what happens with many churches. The spiritual but not religious drive by and don't even notice the church The church doesn't have a bad reputation. They simply have no reputation among people out in the world. So I want to ask you this question. What do you want people in our community to say about Narden Park? What do you hope that we are and will be known for? Think about that for a minute. What do you want people to say about Narden Park? What do you hope we'll be known for? as a congregation. Now, while you're thinking about that answer, let me share with you what my answer is. My hope, my prayer, is that people in our community say this about Narden Park. That's the church that has a positive impact on our community. That's the church which practices love, serves others, gives so generously. That's the church that really makes a difference in the world. That's the church where everyone is welcome. And you know what? They really mean everyone. 
And I hope if you agree with me on these things, that you will help us to continue to do what we're already doing here. And let's do it more and become the church that we believe God wants us to be and God is calling us to be in this time. I think this is exactly what Jesus meant in Matthew's gospel when he calls us to be the light and the salt seasoning in the world. Like my salt block, it's about bringing out those God flavors and giving glory to God by our actions, showing love, doing good out in the community and the world, and how these actions often lead people to feel a connection to Jesus themselves. Now, last week in the message, I talked about how I spent my junior year in college living in Madrid, Spain. I was actually a Spanish major in college, and one of the classes I took was called the Quixote Seminar, Quixote Seminar, for the entire semester. We read in the original Spanish the book by author Miguel de Cervantes called Don Quixote. It was written in 1605. Again, not as far back as the Precambrian era, but still pretty old. If you're not familiar with the story of Don Quixote, let me tell you that it's about a noble man from the La Mancha region of Spain. Now, this region, La Mancha, is in the middle of the country of Spain. It's where the really good goat cheese is made. They call it queso manchego. Ooh, it's really good. Don Quixote is about this man known as Alonso Quijano, who reads so many novels about earlier chivalrous times that he loses his mind, and he tries to become a knight and revive his nation. The story, written in 1605, was later popularized in a 1965 Broadway musical called Man of La Mancha. And if you've ever heard the song To Dream the Impossible Dream, some of you have heard that, I know, it's from that musical, Man of La Mancha, inspired by the book Don Quixote by Cervantes. One of my all-time favorite quotes comes from Don Quixote's book, and here it is. To surrender dreams, this may be madness, but maddest of all is to see life as it is and not as it should be. I love this quote so much that my husband had one of our friends write it out in calligraphy and frame it for me. To surrender dreams, this may be madness, but maddest of all is to see life as it is and not as it should be. You see, I believe this is what Jesus calls us to do, to close the gap between how the world is and how the world should be. It's the work of salt seasoning, bringing out those God flavors. So we need to ask ourselves, how is it in our community? What's the reality? And how is it in our world? And how should it be? And what can we, as the disciples of Jesus, do about closing that gap? 
most of the time, we are the only Bible anyone ever reads. And our actions speak so much louder than our words. What do you hope Narden Park will be known for in our community? How can we close the gap between how things are and how things should be? I close the sermon with a quote from columnist, blogger, and author Rachel Held Evans. Sadly, Rachel, who's brilliant, died earlier this year at the young age of 38. Her words live on as salt seasoning and light, inspiration to close that gap between how it is and how it should be. Here's what she wrote about God's kingdom. This is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table, not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry. Because they said yes. And there is always room for more. Amen. Be salt. Amen.